Good morning, church. You guys hear me? Yep. Hear me well? Good. Uh, there's nothing better to see the Church of Christ worshiping our Lord. It takes all the nerves away. It does. Today we will be reading from the uh, second epistle of Timothy, chapter 1. Let us read and let us pray. The word of the Lord reads, Paul, an apostle of Christ, by the will of God according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience. As I remember you constantly in my prayers, night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother, Louis, and your mother, Eunice. And now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power, power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and purpose and grace, which he gave us again, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of, of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I am, was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard unto that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Jesus Christ. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. You are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me, and was not ashamed of my chains. But when I arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and found me. May the Lord grant him to find mercy that from the Lord on that day. And you will know all the service he rendered at Ephesus. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for your word. It is only in your word that we find truth. Or we ask that you come here now. Reveal yourself to us. Lord, it's not about the messenger. It is about the message. It is about you and you alone. We trust in your power. We trust that in your word, we are compelled. Lord, we come and confess our sins. Come, come now. We need you. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. In the year 2000, a Roman general named Marcus Aurelius, yes, in the year 2000, a Roman general, bear with me, I know, I'll get there, gave us one of the most known quotes in Hollywood history. What we do in life echoes in eternity. Now, I don't know how profitable was this quote to the good general and his soldiers when they went to battle. But this quote becomes true only in a Christian life for the believer. It is only in the Christian life that this, this quote is true. And everything that we do will ripple and echo for eons to come. It should be the desire of every believer to live a life that leaves a legacy behind. A legacy that would profoundly affect and impact the lives of those who are left behind for many future generations to come. That should be our hope. Now Paul is the perfect example of a servant that lives faithful and an impactful life. And it is in 2 Timothy that I hope we are encouraged to live that impactful life. Now, we find ourselves in this epistle. It is a pastoral epistle. It is directly written for Timothy. But we find Paul at the very end of his, his days. It is in the same book in 2 Timothy 4.6 that Paul says, For I am ready being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure has come. This was his last registered letter. And it was to his protege, his, his um, uh, students. And today we will call him maybe his Padawan. Right? It was, he, he was Timothy who was going to carry the baton, carry the mission, preach the word. And not only that, Paul finds himself abandoned by most of the churches. It is in the same chapter that says, You are all aware who are, that all in Asia has turned away from me. I couldn't imagine an apostle at the very end of his days should have been honored by the churches, honored by men. And here he is, abandoned, suffering for, for Christ. But he was, his only concern was the expansion of the kingdom. And this is the heart of a perseverant Servant of God, he and she will always be more concerned about the kingdom of God than his or her own well-being. The letter is a letter of encouragement. See, we find, we believe that Timothy was dwindling in his faith a little bit. He was a bit timid. He wasn't made like Paul. He didn't have the same metal. He was timid. He was a bit fearful. And now I know scriptures don't directly say that, but there are passages that we could go to and gather a little bit of that. It was in the first, first Corinthians chapter 16, 10, where Paul pleaded with the Corinthians to welcome Timothy and to put him at ease. As if Timothy was a little bit timid or maybe fearful when arriving there. Maybe he had a little bit of social anxiety.
You also see in verse 6 that Paul says that Timothy needs to rekindle his gift. Now, in the original language, anazapel, it depicts a resuscitation of something that is gone or almost gone. Timothy was backsliding a bit, fearful, and it might have been that he gave in to the pressures of the Ephesian society. In the Ephesian society, he actually uh, res- or tried to resist or had many oppositions, such as false teachers, feminism, godly leaders were hard to find. Perilous times were on the horizon, and self-pleasure-seeking men would only get worse. I don't know about you, but it kind of sounds like our city today. Sure, take a little bit of the pressures, add them on, or take them off, but you get where I'm, where I'm getting at. It could be that today, you're sitting here today, and you're backsliding a little bit. Maybe your service rendered unto God has taken a back step. Maybe the pressures of society or or your own self lies, they're impeding you from living a fulfilling and impactful life. It is my hope today that this letter encourages, as it did uh, Timothy. At the end of our days, like Paul, I hope that we could say, I fought the good fight. I finished the race and I kept the faith. And that we all hear the sweet words of Jesus. Well done, good and faithful servant. Now let us get into the passage. And I hope that we are encouraged to do that, to be that. Be faithful, to be perseverant in our faith. And I've titled this sermon, The Perseverant Servant of God. My first point today. Be encouraged by the faithfulness of those who came before you. Yeah, sure, Paul starts the letter, as most of his letter, he is identifying himself. He's putting an authoritative theme to it. He's saying, I, Paul, I'm writing this letter, and all you read it should pay attention. But he does something very genius. He now, talking to someone that is discouraged, He's telling him, Timothy, you are a faithful one. I know because I've been there with you. I saw you. But not only that, he doesn't just reassure uh, him of his faith, but he actually reminds him of his lineage. Remember where you came from. Remember Remember how faithful your grandmother and mother were. Therefore, Timothy, you are saved today. Now, there's something amazing about remembering our, our lineage or our Christian history. It's, it is a shame that today churches don't put a big emphasis on that. It's a big encouragement. Now, I took some uh, Christian, early church Christian history classes, and I am not a history buff by, by all means. I don't like history. I don't have the memory. I don't have the retention to remember names, years. I don't. So I immediately asked myself, why? Why should I be reading about these old men and women who died in the past and sacrificed so much? How good or profitable will be to me? 
I immediately, as I was going through the classes, I learned that it was quite the opposite. First, I started to appreciate the sovereignty of God. It is in Philippians 1.6 where God says, Paul says, And I am sure of this, that he who began the good work in you, bring it to completion in that day of Jesus Christ. It is him who carries us through. Our very perseverance depends on Christ. And in, in history, or going back and learning from our forefathers, those heroes of the faith, gives us that. It emboldens us. It encourages us to go back. One thing that I try to do as often as possible is always go back and remember my own testimony. The person who brought me to Christ, what it took, the sacrifice. That person might have gone through disappointment, right? At times with me. I was hard-headed. I was. I thank God for him. He was perseverant. So it is. Second, it emboldened me to live a life of courageous Christian living today. It's encouraging to hear about men like William Tyndale, who was burned alive for the heresy of translating the Bible into our English language. Thank the Lord for him and his perseverance. Today, we all carry one of these. Now, they're not there for us to compare ourselves to them, but to encourage us. To encourage us to live a life, a godly life, whether our work, our businesses, our schools, with our kids, family members, or non-believers alike. Isaac Watts, the 18th century British hymnist, thinking about his own faithfulness and perseverance, said this, Am I a soldier of the cross? A follower of the Lamb? And shall I fear, or, and shall I fear to own his cause, or blush to speak his name? Must I be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease, while others fought to win the prize and sailed through bloody seas? Are there no foes for me to face? Must I not stem the flood? Is this vile world a friend to grace, to help me unto God? Sure, I must fight if I would reign. Increase my courage, Lord. I'll bring the toil. I'll bear the toil. Endure the pain supported by thy word. That should be encouraging. That's a man that was thinking of his ancestors. They died. They were so passionate. Why, should, why can't I? It's a great, great uh, encouragement. This part is also should be very encouraging for us fathers. Mothers, grandmothers, who have kid, young kids, or who, those who are middle school, high school. Let us be like Lewis and Eunice. Let us be that to our next generation. Let us be faithful. 
we don't know what God does, will do in the next generation. Which Timothy will arise? Let us be that for our children. Second, second point of, of, the, of the morning. Rekindle the gift that is in you. Paul continues on verse 6. For this reason, what reason? We just read it. The faithfulness of Timothy's mother and grandmother who sacrificially served them to the point of a true, sincere faith. Now he says, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Well, what is the gift that Timothy must rekindle? Now, some say that it's his faith. I don't think so. I don't think he never backed back or went back so far that he lost his salvation or his faith. Not at all. What he, Paul is saying here is his gift given from God. His particular gift. His spiritual gift. Timothy was given a gift of teaching, preaching, and evangelizing. And Paul here is saying, rekindle that gift. What's the matter with you? Wake up. What? You're not living that impactful life. He allowed his timidity and fearfulness to distract him from his given mission. His given was divinely appointed, given by God himself, for him to work out with power, love, and self-control. As to power, that God gave us a spirit of courage. That there is no time for timidity or fearfulness. That the gift granted by God is a gift that when used is transformative, impactful, and purposeful for the gospel. As to love, it is love that casts out all fears. And we are able to exercise our gift with kindness and love unto others. As to self-control, that we are able to use our gift with the same mind and according to scriptures, not in an erratic way, as we see today. Like Timothy, who are believers, have been, you all have been given a spiritual gift. All of you, point to yourself. You've all been given a spiritual gift, all of you. If you're a believer today, you've been given a spiritual gift. It is in 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11 that says, As each has received, what? A gift. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him belong glory and dominion forever. Amen. It says that also God gives us the gifts according to his sovereign will in 1 Corinthians 12, 11. And all these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Do you believe that? Do you believe it? That God has given you your own spiritual, personal gift. I hope you do. If you do, then you must commit to what the scriptures tell you. 
and I'm sorry, having a little bit of technical difficulties here. Woo, I'm telling you. It is that, and I know, beloved, that works don't save you. I, I know that. I know that. But gifts are important. You have been saved for works. Ephesians said. And sometimes, you know, we stand here preaching and you might think, well, that's legalism. All we talk about is our gift. It's about work, 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 work. But we've been called to work. I know that there are times of rest. I know there are times to rest. It was the writer of Proverbs that said, there's, in, there's a season for everything. There's a time for everything. And what must not happen is that we prolong that time of rest. Now, you could be in a, in a season of rest. That's fine. That's okay. That's all right. But pray. Be with a gathering of believers. Be restored so that one day you can come back and fight the good fight. We cannot be sitting in the trenches. Now, when I was younger, I was into fitness. And I quickly learned that working out one single muscle was detrimental to my fitness. When you work one single muscle, that muscle doesn't really rest, doesn't really eat up all the proteins. It could, you, know, you could really hurt it, and that, that's it. I've, I quickly learned that by resting that muscle, giving it rest, it was profitable for it. I actually grew more. He gained strength. And there are times for that. We just sit and rest. Be, you know, have others give you nutrition, spiritual food. That's okay. Point number three. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Paul encourages Timothy to persevere. By living a continuous life of godly living and unashamedly attitude. Now, it is true that we've all been ashamed of the gospel once or twice in our lives. We've all been there. Maybe at work. Maybe when we're gathered with non-believers and there's a particular conversation and we take part of it. We've all been there. What Paul is saying, don't be ashamed of the gospel. Let me give you four ways of how not to do that, not to be ashamed of the gospel. Number one, suffer well. Paul encourages Timothy to suffer well and take, partake in to the suffering of others. Suffering is inevitable. Job tells us, but man is born to trouble as sparks fly upward. A perseverant servant is a suffering servant. And I don't mean that we go off wanting to suffer. No, that's not what I'm saying. It's that when suffering comes, we're ready to suffer well for it. Bodhi Bauckham said this. Sometimes God is glorified when sick saints get well. But more often than not, God is glorified when sick saints die well. I was reminded of this, of this, this past week, week when Pastor Bob or Brother Bob went into hospice, and a few of our brothers went to see him. It was so encouraging to see how well he's suffering. Yeah, I met Bob, like uh, most, of this man, and most of the men here, in our Tuesday men's meeting. 
And let me tell you, I didn't even know he was suffering from cancer at all. He always gave us wisdom. His demeanor was always praising the Lord, faithful, persevering. I didn't know. May we suffer well like him. May he be an example for us to suffer in the gospel. Another way we could help uh, us to be walk unashamedly, unashamed, I'm sorry, is to remember the gospel. It is in verse 9 and 11 that Paul gives Timothy the ultimate reason not to be ashamed. The gospel of Jesus Christ. We should all be remembering the gospel. It is in the gospel that we find reassurance, strength to continue on, to be perseverant. It is in the gospel where Christ died 2,000 years ago. If you're not a believer, listen to this. Where God became a man and died for your sins. If you believe, he would believe, not by your works, you will be saved. And I hope that the gospel is fresh in our minds. Number three, know that your security is in Christ and not your own strength. In verse 12, we persevere in the faith because God's persevering grace. Like Paul, we must be convinced in whom we have believed. We believe in a God that perseveres his people under his sovereign will so that none of his children will ever be lost. Psalm 125 says, Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. Trust in He in whom you, you believed. He will carry, carry you through, through the trials, pressures, and whatever the world throws at you. Number four. Know what you have believed and commit. Paul urges Timothy to follow or to put in action the word of God. In other words, not just to listen or store up the word, but to apply it. He's pleading Timothy to put the word of God into action, to commit. You want to walk unashamed of the gospel and persevere in your faith? Make sure you are living out your faith. James 1.22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Don't think that your knowledge about God and theology alone will save you. Saving grace comes tightly together with acting faith. Paul says in Romans 12.1, I appeal, you, appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present yourselves. As a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Your faith is the root, and faithfulness is the fruit. Know what you believe and commit. My final point this morning just be faithful. Now, Paul ends the chapter with a distinction of a faithful servant and two disloyal friends. He states that all those from Asia has, 
have deserted him, turned away from him. He only finds loyalty in a man named Onesiphorus. Very interesting. His name means bringing profit or useful. This man came to Christ because of Paul's teaching. He was so thankful that he committed to his teaching. He actually suffered with Paul. Paul was in prison. And this man from Ephesus went faithfully to Rome. Served them. Refreshed them. Hope that we, are, we all could be like Onesiphorus. Onesiphorus. Church history says that this man was decapitated just as his teacher was. When Paul died, he stayed in Rome, helped the church there, and was captured, decapitated. We should all aspire to be like Onesiphorus, to be useful in many ways, like Paul says, to be faithful in all our different seasons of life. It wasn't just one event of service that pushed this man into perseverance. It was, life, it was a life of sacrificial service. Focusing on the goal, the kingdom of God. And it was in this life, in, in this life of gratitude that this man was, was found amongst the faithful. I pray that our faithfulness increases and is demonstrated like on a cipherus. There's much usefulness and profit from being faithful. May the Lord, at, at the end of our days, find us, have mercy, and find us amongst the perseverant servants. We're living in crazy times. It was the other day that I heard a congresswoman said that if you wanted to avoid domestic terrorism or the domestic terrorist to avoid churches. I only say this because every generation seems like we're te- the church is tested. We might be heading that direction. May we be like these men and women of old that persevered and were faithful. May we be like Onesiphorus who did not account his well-being and suffered and found himself perseverant and faithful. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you give us a spirit of courage. Lord, thank you that you persevere your saints. Lord, we hope that we are accounted of those, those saints that persevere through the end, not for our own glory or, or honor, or for yours. That you may, may be exalted at the end. When eternity, eternity crosses or comes, we may look into each other, not praise us, praise you. Because you carried us through. For those who are weak, in, in their service, in their faith, Lord, encourage us through your word to push forward, to persevere, not allow the world and the pressures of it to decay our service, 
May we be fruitful for the gospel. It is in your name that we pray. Amen.